Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Seaweed Brain. Today, we have the distinct pleasure of finishing our read-along of The Sun and the Star. Stick around. Oh, welcome back, listeners. I can't believe we're here at the end of The Sun and the Star, mostly because we're recording out of order, so we haven't actually made it (laughs) to the end of The Sun and the Star technically yet, but we're still here to reflect and to debrief. Um, We are welcoming back special returning guest, Fran. Hello, Fran. Hi. How are you? You haven't been here to talk about this book at all yet. No, first time to talk about this book. Uh, Yeah, I have um, been uh, out of action with Percy Jackson for like four months with my podcast now or something. And you're busy being a writer. (laughs) Yes, being a writer. My uh, (laughs) second novel is uh, probably by the time this releases out in the world. So yay. Taffix, 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 Tarzan Saffix. Jesus Christ, I just combined both words. Actually, no, that can, that's going to be a marketing strategy now. It is called the Taffix series because it's Tarzan for Saffix. So there we go. Love it. <laughs> that's a great word. A bit of housekeeping before we dive in, I guess. But this is the first time we're recording since I noticed that we finally hit 1,000 reviews on Spotify after much bribing for months to get us from like 990 to 1,000. Y'all, we made it. So thank you to whoever pushed us over and everyone who's ever left us a rating. Really appreciate it. Review wherever you're listening right now. And that being said, I think we're ready to dive in. Where did we last leave off? We last left off... After the culmination of all of our journeys and struggles, you know, confronting Nyx, freeing Bob, making our way back out of Tartarus, we are on a little river cruise out. Everything seems like it's fine, right? Calm, peaceful, like we've resolved the primary conflicts of the book. And now we're ready to, to escape, to debrief and rest And that begins with uh, a chapter that is in Will's POV. We're starting back off at chapter 47. We're just floating down the river and Will's having some thoughts. Nico's asleep. Yeah. Which is the only time we talk to Will. (laughs) (laughs) We're here talking to Will because Will does have the distinct pleasure of, with Nico being asleep, basically meeting some of these characters really for the first time. Like Will has been on this whole quest to help us rescue Bob. But you might remember that Will and Bob, like, do not actually have a pre-existing relationship. So at this point, Will and Bob are kind of getting acquainted for the first time since, you know, fighting Nick's together. And Will is also, of course, meeting Nico's magical children slash, you know, animated manifestations of his personal traumas. His soot sprites. His soot sprites. The Cocoa Puffs are alone with Will and Will is taking a beat to be like, wait. But like, how do I feel about this? And like, what 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 is the relationship I would have to the to the Cocoa Puffs? Is there something we want to read from this? I think we should read some of what Bob is saying. It's like, <laughs> picture this: we're on a river in the underworld. Nico is asleep in Will's lap. Will is completely still, staring at a horde of Cocoa Puffs that are completely still, staring back at him. And in another corner of the boat sobbing is bob just shaking sobbing loudly (laughs) and will's like yo bob are you good and i think we need a reading and bob is go for it he's good (laughs) bob says i am more than okay i am free i'm also thinking of something i once said to some other demigods i told percy jackson and annabeth chase that titans are not meant to change that we are the same forever but this this is not true i'm evidence of that all things can change if given the opportunity 
I see there's a link in our outline here because we went back to outlining everybody. Um, <laughs> it is a link to the YouTube video of Jennifer Hudson in the Dreamgirls film singing I Am Changing. So there you go. Yeah. Shout out to that. <laughs> Many people are misguided about Dreamgirls, the musical, and believe that the best song is uh, the very famous And I'm Telling You I'm Not Going, which is, of course, legendary, very powerful, very good. The real, the real ones, the true devoted fans who can tell us about the different iterations of, of the Broadway and film and West End stagings of this show will know, of course, that the true MVP song and the actual crux of the emotional arc of the show is I Am Changing. That's oh, and true. then there's me. There's me who's a hoe for, like, stepping to the bad side. I'm sorry. That is the best part. I used to play that randomly when I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling like I want to beat someone up, so I'm just going to play this song. Wait, that's, like, that's legitimately that's very hilarious. <laughs> There's also I me mean, as a small child. My favorite song was, of course, uh, "Love You I Do" because it had the highest belt in the show and was only in the movie version because nobody was going to perform that eight shows a week. So, <laughs> you know, we all have our journeys. Um, but moving right along, change is important. <laughs> Basically, all that's happening in this chapter is we're getting some of Bob's like be- beautiful, clear, simplistic, evocative descriptions of his tough, but you know, like, at a high level, very relatable experiences. And then we have everyone, like, this is the beginning of our debriefing, is Will and Nico kind of being like, wait, we're on a boat out of Tartarus. What's going to happen next? Sure, like, what is the next monster to defeat? How is this going to not work out for us? And Nico is the one who, like, kind of half asleep is, like, pulling Will back and saying, actually, maybe it's fine. Maybe we did finish everything. Nix isn't going to chase us anymore. We've Lock that down. So they have a debrief that is very like, it's like, um, I would say like pretty metatextual where Nico's like, I don't think anything more bad is going to happen to us just because a lot of bad things have happened in the past. And that is, I don't think they literally use the phrase catastrophizing, but like <laughs> that is implicitly what's going on here is Nico say all but using a technical term to name this and saying just because a lot of bad things have happened to you in the past doesn't mean that you should assume that they're going to continue to happen to you. Bad things might happen to you and you should be prepared and it's like will be useful, but like it's it's unhealthy to make those assumptions and like we should not prepare ourselves to deal with a bad thing that we don't have a specific reason to believe is coming and I think everything's going to be fine. And I what else does he say? Nico also says um let others do the saving, well, because Bob is awake and rowing them out. Which you said, you you wrote here, Carter, it's similar to Artemis at the end of Titan's Curse. Like, okay, in terms of the way that we think about the plot structures of these books, there have been a few other times where I, I would say we have felt similarly safe and cared for at the end of the big battle, right? That That is not necessarily unique, but I think that there is something so lovely about the way that it's done in this specific instance. Because of this metatextuality, because of Nico specifically saying, like, I guess something else could go wrong that wouldn't be totally unprecedented. But I think that in this instance, we have every reason to believe that actually it's probably fine. And then it is fine, which is like not completely unheard of, but a little uncommon. But he ends up being right. What is like the one instance that comes to mind is at the end of the Titan's Curse when like literally they have like a goddess like escorting them back at the end and saying, you're done now we're fine. I'm going to take care of everything. Don't worry about it. Sleep. But I I think a lot of the other books, we have actually had that like doubling back 
somebody else is going to die. There is a secret extra villain. A new prophecy is going to come, etc. But in this book, they're really saying that doesn't always happen. As both an emotional message to children, like just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean that bad things will continue to happen to you. A message about how PTSD works, but then also like literally following that through and having them say, actually, like the plot does end here. We're going to, we have decided. This is the end of the book. We're reflecting and we're in peace from here on out. Yeah. Now picture this. Nico's wake. Will and Nico just had this conversation. They're all emotional. And so they're kissing and they're still <laughs> kissing. And it's like a really beautiful, emotional, intimate moment for them. And they're still kissing and quote, they only stopped because Bob sobbing was now impossible to ignore <laughs> because Bob is still in the corner, loudly sobbing. And this is the bottom of page 431. Quote, are you sure you're okay? Asked Will, looking back at the Titan. I am perfectly fine, Bob said, wiping at his face. I am crying tears of happiness for my son and my star. Do you know what that means? Will whispered to Nico as he settled back against the rear seat. Nico cuddled up against him. Not a clue. Service me. That's a I guy. am a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Service me. This is really, um, you know, Fujoshi Congress, the, the novel. There's so many passages in this book that are just people looking at Nico and Will and being like, oh my god. You're so cute. Like, he he he, I'm like watching the two of you have intimate romantic moments and I'm really enjoying it. I don't even think I registered <laughs> this when I first read the book because I was like, oh yeah, this one at the start's the title of the book. But then realizing that this is Bob having his moment and being like, you are my sun and my star. Like, don't you think like that's when he realized it? Yeah. Like in this moment, watching them making out, he was like, oh my God. Yeah. I wanted to see you and now here you are. Yes, but also I would have liked him to have the chance to see the actual sun and stars at some point as well well it's happening, we don't it's happening. Liter- it's we're not literally with him like at nighttime on the surface yeah <laughs> that's what i mean i wanted to see it i wanted to i wanted to be there because i would have cried like uh, like no tomorrow <laughs> of him seeing the literal yeah. sun and stars mm. as well because like that's all he wanted and i know he's seeing the metaphorical <laughs> but i also wanted yeah. the literal <laughs> instead he's just our gunkle who's looking at the the future of of the next queer generation of being like, oh, see, this is how I know we're old now because I read this book <laughs> and the scene, and, and I'm you like, identify oh, I'm with the, the old people <laughs> watching <laughs> the, the children <laughs> <laughs> with these centuries-old Titan. <laughs> That's so real because I also like in this moment I was like, yeah, I'm I'm him. I'm the spectator. <laughs> but that's all. Yeah, that's 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 the point. We're going to do a quick reading from the end of the chapter as well here. Will had heard love described in so many dramatic, bizarre ways over the years, but no one had described it like this. It's like drifting down a river of pain and knowing you're safe. It's like holding a person in your arms and realizing they are an interlocking piece of a puzzle you hadn't known to assemble. It's like staring into a dark and treacherous expanse, unsure of what awaits you, but finding comfort in the fact that you won't have to face it alone. It was a son of Apollo falling for a son of Hades. It was this. And it was in reading that line, I knew I would never be that good of an author. Because <laughs> <laughs> that shit is... Oh, wait. Yeah, no, I can curse on here, can't I? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because that shit is amazing. That's just like... Fuck Shakespeare. I mean, <laughs> we've got Rick Rodin and Marco Shiro with this line, this they section. Said, Call up custom ink. We, 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 we'll we'll yeah. lay it out for you. You know, like... Um, Did you just say, call up custom ink? <laughs> that is the funniest thing you've ever said. 
You mean call up my Canva Pro free trial and my T Public <laughs> account for this podcast and put it on a shirt? Okay. They said, better bring those Tumblr edits back. I need to see the galaxy. I need to see the sun and the stars. Blurred. Like, you need to see a graphic design of, like, a sun on the top and a different star on the bottom. Yes. And, like, there's, like, a big gap between a son of Apollo and then da-da-da, falling four, and then, like, big gap underneath and a son of Hades, and, like, maybe the last one's in a different font. And, like, they invert the colors. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry if you're below the age of 18. You have no idea what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Wow. This is difficult for some people to remember, but there was a time on the internet where people were interested in making things that were... um like earnestly beautiful uh and um, we were old enough to remember that people were once earnest on the internet <laughs> yeah i think that that's a real tenant like I, I don't think that this podcast would be as earnest as it is if we weren't around in 2013 for tumblr you know yes those are the days because i've been earnest on this podcast something predates pure ironic detachment in all conversations and that's what makes us millennials Yes, the medium is a message and like there used to be a platform where you were really incentivized for like making things that were like visually like took a long time for you to make. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and we're not just like, yeah, pure content generation, like volume maximizing um, in, in orientation the way that Twitter is, you know, um, <laughs> and TikTok. And TikTok. Wow, that's very true. Which is like not to say that nobody spends time or effort on TikTok, but it's like a different, you know, different optimization function. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it time for the oh shit chapter? Chapter 48? Oh, yeah. This Can was I a have gag. one thing on the previous? <laughs> only like the smallest thing, just because I, I love it as someone who is looking to go back to therapy. The sort of the, like the almost therapy discussion between Will and Nico of mm -hmm. like Will apologizing for kind of like, you know, I wanted to basically like remove the darkness not realizing that you know sometimes that's just a part of someone i should love you for yeah. who you are and all that sort of stuff hearing him say that after because like i'm not gonna lie people are gonna hate me for this this is why i was on a break um <laughs> that i was like i knew he was a kid but i was kind of pissed off with will here and there because of like how he kind of judged nico's self oh I was my like, god wait really real. yeah. no we've been mad at will <laughs> okay i'm so glad i did a live so I, don't, I think you guys no, Erica, you may know about this, but you may also not. I did a seven hour live stream of me reading the book on YouTube and then did a half an hour after review of the book as well. And my main takeaway was I was kind of pissed off with Will for the majority of the book. That's <laughs> because really like real. the way he talked about Nico. I, couldn't, I was like, I can't be doing this. You are in the medical field, Will. Wait, Fran, did like, you read the book out loud for seven hours? Or you oh, were just no. like live? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oh, God, no, no. I do not want to go to jail for like piracy or something. <laughs> but, no, that's accessibility. <laughs> that is also true. But no, I also didn't have the physical book. So I was sat on camera with headphones in listening to the audio book for seven hours. <laughs> And just occasionally pausing and be like, so here is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. <laughs> Let's continue. That's a really cute and idea. It was, yeah, it was very fun. I was annoyed that I didn't have the actual book because like the books were delayed in the UK for releasing in bookstores for like a week. But um, sorry, back on topic. Uh, yeah, no, I Will was just kind of pissing me off with like his commentary about Nico. So I was really glad that he apologized. I half wish that Nico hadn't said no, it's fine. It's like, no, no, no. 
it's not it's not good like discuss this a little bit more but like it's you know they're young I totally get it at the same time but I am just in general glad that he recognized especially seeing the Cocoa Puffs because there's like this line in the first page where he says about the Cocoa Puffs about where they're trying to determine if he was safe to be around Mm. and I was like yeah they are because originally you kind of weren't but now you are because you have grown as a person you can grow more because everyone is always growing but uh, it's why I really like that after they've had that open conversation that the Cocoa Puffs eventually start to feel more comfortable around him. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. we'd like to see physical manifestations of development for characters. Right. And like we also identified as the Cocoa Puffs, right? In that scenario. <laughs> so, Real. We were just Real. Gonna, so we were many. Like, Are you safe? Hmm. <laughs> there was also a whole moment of when I was doing that like live listening of I paused when we were introduced to the Coco Puffs and I was like am I gonna have to discuss this in therapy one day of being like so just think about my manifestations of trauma as these different characters and I got this from the sun and the star and just explained like that like it was like a full just like this could actually help in a therapy session absolutely absolutely behavioral family systems I think so it's called yes. something like that. The, the Cocoa Puffs in general are giving pretty textbook, I think, what the axiomatic principles of CBT are, which is like, you know, your traumas are not you. They are like discrete separate beings that are like from you, but also that like you should interact with as being like not revealing of your fundamental self or your truths, right? There are like these other things that you should interact with sometimes and know and like not destroy, but also be like, that's not me. And there are opportunities for me to, to be separate from this and to change my forward trajectory. Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. Chapter. Chapter 48. Oh, shit. Chapter. Chapter 48. The entire chapter is a dream sequence, but like a real dream sequence this time. This this book, as you may remember from the dark pages of it all, has had a lot of extended nightmares that we have found out were specifically opportunities for Nyx to create the Cocoa Puffs, the, to, to um, extract Nico's biggest traumas and form them into physical manifestations that were meant to, like, attack him and physically keep him in uh, the pits of hell. But we're not doing that anymore. Now we are having an actual family reunion. Nico is a little bit confused about what's going on. He thinks it's next again. He sees in this room that Bianca's there. Turns around, his mom is there. Turns around again, Hades is there. And they are real. Hades basically is like, we broke the rules a little bit um, because I'm a god. This is like literally what I'm in charge of. It's three minutes. Everybody can chill out. We're going to have a family reunion, a conversation. (laughs) That's a treat. And half the chapter is just trying to explain how this is possible. And Nico being like, but but Bianca, you're in Elysium. And like, mom, like you're dead. And like, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, we're not really ourselves. We're just like an essence of ourselves. And like, don't worry about it. Yeah. And Nico's really like, wait, I've let you go. This is like, you you don't have to be here for me. I'm good now. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. Like we're, you know. Like, it's not that deep. Like we just thought this would be like a cute way to end the book. I mean, the quest. I mean, your dad brought us here. (laughs) I liked it. Mostly because I liked Like what you said, Carter, that I think it's one or two chapters right before this, or it's somewhere in the last like five chapters that Nico is kind of looking at Will and being like, wow, I used to only have two people in the entire world that cared about me and they both died. And that was my mom and Bianca. And then now we get to see mom and Bianca, but it's almost like not even that big of a deal because Nico's like, I did let you go. 
And now I have Will and I have other people in my life. And that is like more so than this like tearful reunion. It's being able to witness the way in which Nico has grieved and moved on that I think makes this really special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's very true. And honestly, like the bulk of the conversation that happens here is actually with Hades. Yes, um, exactly. So it's like, why did they even need to be here? Bianca and the mom. <laughs> um, I, I think it does like definitely frame the conversation differently to have the two of them there and to like, it has, I think the, the reader really framed this as this is like a nurturing family space for Nico, whereas his relationship with Hades is a little more complicated than that and specifically when Hades mm. shows up and says I actually did assign this quest to you like you got the prophecy because I thought that you should go rescue Bob having the family there is a good way for all of us to be like wait how mad are we right now like how <laughs> how upset should we be how should we understand this action as not just a totally unacceptable form of violence I, I think we are we are primed a little bit to be like hmm I guess we can continue and and listen and figure out what all is going on with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I liked when Nico was like, wait, dad, why would you do that to me? And Hades <laughs> was like, well, because like, you know, like we gods work in mysterious ways. And like, I couldn't get Bob myself. So like, I needed you to do it. Um, also, that demigod friend of yours, Percy Jackson, he changed things for a lot of us, made us rethink our priorities, our behaviors, our standards. But of course, then I had to think back to the blood of Olympus when Hades and Nico had that conversation. This is also the conversation when Hades was like, I want you to be happy, you know? But this is also the conversation where Hades was like, so that demigod friend of yours, uh, Percy Jackson, (laughs) (laughs) which made me reading this sentence think like that demigod friend of yours, Percy Jackson, (laughs) please. It was very funny. Hades. Hades is, yeah. <laughs> Hades knows. He knows all too well. He sees everything. We know where Nico gets his sass. <laughs> yeah, true. He re-ups on the conversation. Um, I once told you something, Nico. I hoped you would finally be the exception to a legacy of children who struggled to find happiness. So go. Go be with Will Solis. And now that Nyx has plucked your demons from you, choose happiness. Not for me. Not for your sister or mother. But for yourself. You deserve it, Nico, which I think is a beautiful way of encapsulating this scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about us. It's about you. Yeah. It is a really nice moment. I, I do half get why people were kind of like, this makes no sense because it literally made no so sense. Much logic of it all. But like, it's nice. and I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's a good moment. I do like that also, like what you were saying, Erica, that the whole thing is more about in a sense like Nico and Hades relationship because mm-hmm. the mum hardly talks really and yeah. neither does Bianca they have a few moments and then it's just father son communicating for the first time properly ever really that we've seen where they're both completely open each other w- with each other especially Hades because like if there's anyone that could do with some therapy themselves because they've been yeah. through a lot it's probably Hades and this is really therapeutic for him as well to be like, hey, I can have an open and honest conversation with my son. I'm going to hold some things back because I'm still a god and I can't be, you know, too emotion based because the gods are, are patriarchy. But like, it was a really nice moment, even if it broke all forms of logic. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It also feels like it really plays into 
how we know Hades is a character. Like you said, Fran, it's yeah. almost yeah. more for him than it is for Nico. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, I 100%. wanted to give you this moment as a gift because I did send you to Tartarus, my bad. But now that we're <laughs> yeah. all together, yeah. you know that it's your choice to be happy just for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think, does a good job to my mind of helping us to emotionally settle our relationship with Hades and our understanding of him given the fact like throughout the conversation he is being more vulnerable and we see Nico showing him more affection like he hugs Hades at the beginning of this which is like not normal weird unprecedented imagine hugging your dad um but also (laughs) something where we're like we understand like where Nico is coming from and how this makes sense for him because we, we can juxtapose that against Nico like also still like complaining and ribbing him and like holding him accountable and saying things like you know you once told me that i was like a a a sad excuse or a replacement for bianca and everyone's like yeah we remember that oop that was bad and then also nico at the end being like okay i did do all this stuff for you so now you need to do something for me like you need to go down and find a way to help rescue this mania in tartarus the way that Nico combines both intimacy and a sense of, like, not I don't trust you, but, like, you are a person who I think makes decisions that I don't agree with sometimes. And I am not going to assume that you're going to do good things without me forcing you to just because we have a good relationship interpersonally, I think is very, um, it's such a specific tone to set and path to walk that is very appropriate. And to be honest, is a relationship that probably a lot of people should be having with their parents and specifically their fathers and to be honest (laughs) is something that nico learned from percy jackson yeah okay this is what Hades says he says you finally have me in a place where i can grant you whatever you desire and your wish is to help someone else you continue to make me proud that's exactly what Mm -hmm. percy does at the end of the last olympian and the fact that like three sentences ago we had this whole percy taught us a lot of things sentence i don't think that's a Mm -hmm. coincidence you know Oh, yeah. yeah. Which again, with the project of creating this book as a moment to give Nico his moment in the sun and the star, um, in the way that Percy has had his adventures, you know, and to give Solangelo a story comparable to Percybeth, I think that makes a lot of sense that it would end in a similar way. Yeah. On a different scale. When Nico wakes up to a red orange sky, we're out of Tartarus, we're back in the underworld, he sees the walls of his father's palace. And Nico tells Bob that his dad is the one who sent the prophecy. And Bob, like, takes a hit for that moment and then smiles and says, I always did like working for your father. Wow. Yeah. Hades is the only good male god. <laughs> Which is, like, a very low bar. I really have to say he is not good either. But <laughs> Oh, you know, he's not good. But, like, in comparison to the others of, like, the main 12, 13 or whatever number they are. Mm. Dionysus is actually probably top. And then Hades. The rest suck. I actually like the idea that this whole book was Hades being like, Nico, go get your gay uncle from Tartarus for me, please, okay? He can't get out on his own, and I can't go get him, and I miss him. <laughs> I miss having a friend. Yeah, but Bob goes back to the to the mainland. He doesn't stay at Hades' palace. Oh, shit, yeah, Hades does not have any friends. <laughs> Maybe he was like, oh, maybe Bob will like come really, back and work for me, but then he doesn't. There's a really delightful, I think, passage at the end where we're really plot armoring our way out of this. And Bob is just like, I-, I know a way out. Don't worry about it. And Nico's like, oh, word? Huh? Don't worry about it. Should we, you don't want like help? We're not going to talk about this. And Bob is like, 
I have some secrets. I'm go a titan. Like, go bed. <laughs> when you wake up, we'll I be done. I loved it. I loved it. When you know the book needs to end, the book needs to end. Exactly. It's saying the book is over now. It's saying the story of this, like your your learning is done. So like, boop, 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 boop. Exactly. Like, remember when I, a few episodes ago, I was like, now the book is over for Will. The book is over for us. And now we're just getting back, you know? Because again, the central premise of this book was never about going to Tartarus. <laughs> the premise of this book was about Nico and his relationship with his trauma and Nico and his relationship with Will. Yeah. And all of that is resolved. Yeah. So the physical journey of it, not that important. I think it does also plot-wise make sense. In general, what we've seen in the past is that the Titans who regenerate, like, appear in the world, right? So I think it's fine. Anyway, we don't need to harp on this any longer. We're going back to bed. We're going to take an ad break. And when we wake up, we'll be in the Long Island Sound. We're back. We're in the Long Island Sound. Yes. We wake up and Bob is, like, sobbing. Okay, Bob is sobbing. <laughs> Imagine for a moment. Your eyes are opening to floating on a little boat on the Long Island Sound. You hear chirping. Maybe it's a bird. Nope. It's the manifestation of your trauma. Your little cocoa puffs are chirping you awake. And then you hear another noise. And it's the Titan gay uncle who brought you here sobbing loudly. And you're like, yo, Bob, you good? <laughs> and he says, to be alive in the world once more, it is beautiful. This view is worthy of a good cry. I did not think I would see the sun or stars again. Aww. It's the middle of the day. You keep having to <laughs> moment, for Bob. Me too. Yeah, Bob should continue to cry. Absolutely. At the risk of sounding like somebody who might be an Ernest Hemingway supporter, which I definitely am not, there's something about Bob's economy Same. of language that is, like, really, really doing it for me. Especially me in this moment, like, he, he's not going to give a speech. He's going to say two lines that encapsulate everything that's going on here. And, and that brevity, the choice for him to continue to communicate in roughly the same way he did right after he got his memory wiped, even though he now has full access to all of his thousands of years of personal history and different versions of himself, is is almost extra profound. Him saying, like, I love that. you know, I'm, I'm not communicating this way. This brevity is not just because of a limitation of language. It's because this is the best language for me to use. And that, mm. like, I learned something from having my memory wiped other than just you know, like mechanical, I, th I think is very affecting. Definitely. Will wakes up. Nico's like, hey. And Will's like, I guess I don't look um, like I'm close to death anymore. And Nico was like, that's right. But I still find you attractive anyway. <gasps> I cackled. That's a gag. That really. Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> step aside. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, there, is it a tweet or a TikTok or something? There was like a piece of viral internet content about somebody being like, um, <laughs> like making a pro and con list about their boyfriend. And the con list is like, go to, to the gym. And the pro list is some, something like ill, um, like get sick a lot. <laughs> That's so funny. And I really feel like it, we have like Nico at many points is like, oh, my boyfriend's very attractive, all these things. But I do think that on some level, Nico is still like, well, if I were to like design a boyfriend physically from scratch, he would be like infirm. You know, um, and that like his relationship to Will is almost in spite of the fact that he is like blonde and, and tan oh, and um just like me for real. Goes to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Nico, okay, this is another quote. Nico watched as the north side of Long Island grew in the distance until he could make out the details on the shoreline. Trees, docks, the garish, impossibly huge houses of rich families, their estates sprawling along the coast in both directions. I loved this. This was a, you're never too tired. You're never too tired at the end of your quest to not remember to eat the rich. Like, just let's just remember yes. for a second that these houses are garish. You're looking at and the scenery sparkly. and saying, like, the wealthy have no taste. 
<laughs> it's it's never too late. Thank you, Rick and Mark. <laughs> and then he sees Peleus, the dragon Peleus. Peleus. I say Peleus, but I've said every single name wrong throughout. Oh, we have to. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Nico sees Peleus, Peleus, uh, in the forest walking along, which I always forget is like a you know I guess because I'm old I always think of Talia's tree, but really now it's um for years just a golden yeah, fleece Peleus. for a long time it's been it's been Peleus as like the symbol of when you're getting close to Camp Half-Blood um okay so we arrive yeah. we hug Chiron I guess can I just say in this chapter Chiron is Chironing so hard I really think we continue <laughs> to be right about him <laughs> it's and like our legitimately very funny where he's like oh yeah I was like you know I was really worried because I didn't know if this was gonna work out and but like I, we need to actually read this line well we'll come back to this Chiron is it's, I think they walks a good line here of him being, like, good-natured, but also, like, he says a lot of the wrong things. And now Will and Nico are calling him on it and pausing and being like, well, I guess, but also no. And also, let me explain to you why we we don't think that that's true. And and Kyron being like, hmm, should we fix your face scar, Nico? And Nico's like, no, no, I want to keep it. I want to keep it. And Kyron being like, ah, what are these little monster things? And Nico's like, well, that's the manifestation of my trauma. So don't worry about it. And him being like, oh my God, there's a Titan in the camp. And then being like, yeah. It's okay. Don't worry about it. That's your boomer (laughs) grandparent, you know? Like we love him, but he's not quite with the POV all the time. He is, uh, he should not be in charge. Yeah. Bob decides at this point that he's not going to stick around the camp though. Quote, I must head west. It's where I belong. No, that's not quite right. It is where I want to go. What does that mean? We need a Bob solo book. (laughs) Is that what it is? Is that what that means? Bob goes west. Oh, wait, but Camp Jupiter is west. He could be going to Camp Jupiter. <laughs> he, oh, you know what else is in the west is the Titan Mountain. Bob goes west to confront Percy and Annabeth and be like, Why didn't you me? come get me, you host? <laughs> <laughs> Bob is like, we think he's all at peace and he's like crying and he's like so happy to be alive. But he's actually just coming back to Earth to be petty and to go west and to yell at Percy and Annabeth and be like, did you miss me? Boo. remember when i like sacrificed myself to let you escape tartarus and you forgot they're gonna be like in percy's door and they're gonna hear a knock on the door and they're gonna be like oh my god maybe it's our pizza delivery and then it's bob with his mop (laughs) did you miss me you're so fake you told the sun and the stars hello for me and then what you thought that was it (laughs) the little gay one had to come and get me Now I want that. I would need someone to write a fanfic about that. Yeah, I guess that story is not a whole book. I would like to see the compilation where, like, that's one short story, you know? Yes. The other short story is... Yeah. We need the brunch short story. We kind of get it, but I'm still not satisfied. We need the full brunch short story. We need Bob having his confrontation. The what short story? Yeah. The short story is just the girls are at brunch. Just the girls hanging. Oh, just all the girls. Ever. Girls' night. Got it's it. just brunch. Yeah. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Nothing else happens. It is just a debrief at brunch where we talk about, you know, identity and um, marginalization and um, nothing bad happens other than yeah. um, somebody has to complain to a waiter about um, the mimosas ending because they're supposed to be bottomless. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> where does that leave us? We're, we're at breakfast. We're at brunch. Okay. My favorite part about this section is... Is the My vegan bacon? Excited. Okay, no, there is also vegan bacon, <laughs> thus proving the point that Nico is totally like a goth vegan or like a goth vegetarian. That's so obvious. Um, but Mr. D is so excited about the Cocoa Puffs, right? Because he's been here like on Nico's mental health journey and he's like, oh my God, did we have a breakthrough? 
Did you have a breakthrough while you were in Tartarus? Like, tell me about tell me about the manifestation of your trauma. I'm a little peeing with Dionysus, though, because he says, you're basically father to a bunch of Keiko demons. This might be my favorite part of the story. It's so chaotic. First of all, the way that that's written is the gayest voice maybe we've seen so far. In the, <laughs> like, the italics of chaotic. The use of italics chaotic. is how you know it was written by a gay person. <laughs> it's so chaotic. There was a vocal fry at the end, too. As someone who does use a lot of italics in my books, I am now realizing that is Anthony. <laughs> so you can't trust that the reader is going to get it. you got to make it obvious. But also, excuse me, Dionysus, Nico is not fathered. Nico is mother to the demons. They are born of him. <laughs> Please. Mother with a capital M. <laughs> mother with no article adjectives. <laughs> Can we just really quickly hear, you know, end of the book, Chiron is like, wow, what an interesting way to fulfill the prophecy. And I was like, wait, what prophecy again? Can we revisit that and address it? Um, go forth and find the one who calls out your name, who suffers and despairs for refusing to remain. Right? That's Bob. Yes. There, leave something of equal value behind or your body and soul no one will ever find. So what did we leave behind of equal value? Trauma. We left the demons, but the demons chose to come with Nico anyway. Oh. But he left his like actual like feelings about the trauma behind. He's gonna deal with them. He's no longer letting them haunt okay. him. So that's what he's left behind is the haunting from his traumas. I did have to pause a little bit on the equal value. So the two things of equal value here are Bob and Nico's trauma externalized from his body. Does that hold face validity? Yeah. Equal value. Oh, Bob's changing. Bob changed he's cemented his change to be bob and not epitus i guess there's and that we like left nico the old bob changed. behind kind of yeah he's left but the nico's like that's not how i'm fulfilling nico the prophecy has left. that's not how i'm fulfilling yeah. the prophecy i'm fulfilling it by leaving the demons oh i like the idea though that like bob is leaving yapetus but also and nico is yeah. like leaving his trauma but it really neither of them are leaving anything because they carry it with them yeah, yeah. they're just no longer letting it define them yeah I'll take it. I bet somebody who's listening to this has a much better and more succinct way of explaining the prophecy, so feel free to let us know. I feel like if you, listener, are like, that doesn't have face validity to me, I'd be like, I mean, yeah. But if you, listener, are like, I'm 100% satiated by that, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Whatever works for you, <laughs> yeah. queens. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh yeah, this is this is us clocking Chiron a bit. Um, Chiron says, I'm glad you were willing to give up that part of yourself. And then Will actually interjects and says, well, not completely. Come on, If bro. I learned anything from this quest, it's that eradicating the past isn't really possible or healthy for that matter. It's better if you learn to live with it. Will Come is on, giving... Will schooling Chiron. Will What's is giving Will? white boyfriend who learned... <laughs> I was just gonna say, that's your supportive boyfriend who learned a lesson. Come on. That's the white boyfriend turning to his family and being like, actually, <laughs> um, that's not correct. <laughs> Let me tell you about something ethnic. Actually, this food isn't even that spicy. <laughs> Guys, it's time for my second favorite part of this chapter. What is officially now a tradition in the Raritan verse, what I expect to see going forward in every single book that is like chronologically after this book in the Raritan verse, if we are going to call Persebeth at the start of every quest, we now have to FaceTime Piper and Shell at the end of every quest, <laughs> right? Nico decides he's going to call Piper and meets Shell 
at the same time um, because we've got to check in with the girls and the gays. But actually, it's because yeah. Nico wants to apologize about Jason. But actually, it's because Nico wants to be friends with Piper again and realizes that he can't until he apologizes about Jason. There's like so many layers to this because it seems... Is this true? It really seems like when Nico calls up Piper, he does not know that Piper's like not heterosexual. Um, I know. I think it does make sense canonically that we know because Apollo didn't find out until he went on his solo "I'm a God Again" like boop 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 road trip, and then he wouldn't have like told anybody. Yeah. So canonically, it seems like nobody would know that like Piper is family at this point. Like none of the demigods would know because she hasn't been like chatting and keeping up with everybody. Yeah, I think Annabeth could possibly know because, like, yeah. her and Annabeth were somewhat close. But, like, at the same time, I don't know. I feel like Nico was calling Piper because he was like, wow, I really need more gay friends. Um, and he just knew intrinsically, See, you know? That is, like, when I remember... We heard about this conversation before the book. Like, at the book tour, they were like, this happens. And Mark was like, I really wanted to include this, and this is why it's important. But I feel like all the framing was, like, we need the gay people to chat at the end and like the dedication is about Nico and Piper and I'm like okay 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 but then we show up here and Nico's like wait I literally uh, did not know I was here because I, I just wanted to talk um and then we have to be like Oop. oh it's gonna be Jason isn't it it's about Jason it's not gonna be that they knew I mean like of course in it's functionality not- what like why did the author put this here it's because the gays need to debrief but like plot do, 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 like ordering yes. reason why is Nico making this phone call yeah. it's because Jason which yeah. I mean, okay. I hate. <laughs> Can we quickly laugh, though, that Nico is like, I'm really sorry I never called about Jason. And Piper's like, oh, TBH, I forgot you would even call. Like, I didn't really. No, Piper's like, I thought you, you might. But then, like, when but you did I it, I was like, oh, okay. Well, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> LOL. Because they were not that tight. Yeah. Let's not rewrite history. <laughs> Nico and Jason did not fucking know each other. <laughs> they had one moment. They were not close friends. They were not. And like this book is like trying to gaslight me into thinking they were like best buds. Like they were talking all the time. They were hanging out. And I'm like one interaction that was against Nico's will. And then Jason just like briefly stood up for him at one point. Does not a friendship make <laughs> Deeply true. I think the thing that we retconned for ourselves is that this was a meaningful death for Nico, even if they weren't close friends, because Jason was young and it was a little bit unexpected. And and that can all be true and it can be emotionally impactful, even if they were not very close friends. Yeah. Yeah. But this conversation, whatever brings us here, I don't care. Because the important part is that this conversation gets had and Piper and Nico get to talk about complicated reflections on grief and Piper's relationship with her dad. And Piper says, the more you live life, the more your life sort of grows around the hole in your heart. And sometimes a person comes along and helps you build a whole new room in your heart. And you get to fill that with love and memories. And then Nico's like, wait, so how are things going with your girlfriend? And Piper's like, well, like we have this shared language and experience, even though we haven't lived identical lives, um, which is so, Piper is having like her, she's like, this is my first like lesbian relationship. Like yeah. we're so similar. Like we have all these similarities, even though like we're not Piper identical. Piper also tells us at this point, which we did not, we didn't know anything about Shell other than like nose ring, which I mean, that's a lot of information right there. But <laughs> right. like Apollo didn't like talk. To the girlfriend, right? Now Piper's like, she is indigenous. We know each other. Love through sameness. Yeah, love through sameness. I'm just so happy for her. Yeah, like Nico also like chats fully with Shell for a while until he like brings up Jason and Shell's like, oh, okay. This seems like a conversation the two of you should have together. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Emotional intelligence. 
Yeah. Nico's like, so is your dad. Like, is he being judgy? And Piper says, no, not really. I think he's just had a hard time seeing me as one person than having to accept that I'm something else. To be honest, even I struggle with that. Which is such a beautiful, succinct way to describe what I'm sure is the experience of just so many people whose parents aren't yeah. homophobic necessarily, but there's like a dissonance there, you know? Yeah. What is it? Oh, I think it's one day at a time. Had a really. Oh my god! I was good, about to bring that up. You know what I'm up. talking about? I was literally. Just... Yes, this is literally the journey that the mom yeah, goes on in that Penelope. show, where she's like, "I'm not like I know I'm not homophobic. I like have gay people in my life that I like, but there's something about like I thought I was gonna have these experiences with my daughter, and I'm not gonna have yeah. that. It's really difficult for me to process that, yeah. and so I'm going to try my best to express that my support is unconditional while myself trying to understand that." we're not going to have the relationship that I thought we were going to have because she's not exactly the yeah. person that I thought she was. And that's good. And we'll have a, a whole different set of beautiful experiences. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up as well because I was just like, that is like the perfect example of it. <laughs> Especially with the fact that she is the best mum about it and that she never lets Elena know that she's feeling a bit weird yeah. about it because she doesn't yeah. want her to feel out of place or feel bad about herself because there's nothing wrong. It's her problem. Mm-hmm. She's not going to let her... Ch- and I'm like... Oh, now that's that's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want. And but it's, it's just, real. It also mm. is like a very valid yeah. emotional journey to go on and be like, I thought yes. this was going to happen and it's not. And like, I have feelings about that. I yes. oh, yeah. And so to hear that as well, it's just in this also, because I remember thinking that like when I read it also, I was like, oh my God, it's Penelope. <laughs> yeah. And the way that they talk about it is also giving a bit like... Piper's dad, like... Yeah, so Piper's... She's like, well, he's in Hollywood. Like, he knows a ton of gay people. And Nico's like, oh, so is it, like, a labels thing? I feel like this happened with Apollo, too, where we're like... Like, Piper's dad has, like, made out with men before. You know, like, come on. Come on now. (laughs) Okay, but this is where I was like, okay, we need to talk about this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For sure. I was reading, I was reading. I was like, oh, my God, like, Piper's a lesbian. Oh, no, she's bisexual. (laughs) I think we need to go to the text here. Read the whole conversation. Not that we're going to spend 15 minutes arguing about Piper's sexuality because it doesn't matter, but I just think it's fun and funny and relatable. Um, Where are we? It's an interesting conversation. Well, I really loved Jason. I was genuinely attracted to him. So suddenly realizing I was attracted to a girl was a bit of a shock to me, too. Yeah, like, I I thought I was straight, and I'm clearly not, but does that make me bi? Pan, if I never find another man attractive again, does that make, mean I'm a lesbian? Nico didn't answer at first. I think after what I just went through, the best thing I can say to you is that we are not only one thing forever. We are allowed to change at any point in our lives. We don't have to be stuck with a label someone else assigns us. Gods, we don't even have to stick to a label we give ourselves. So you can be bi or pan or a lesbian or queer and tomorrow you may have a better sense of who you are or tomorrow you can be a big old queer mess and figure it out 50 years from now. I should tell my dad that the next time he asks, she said, laughing. She put on her best imitation of Tristan McLean. Piper, dear, how should I describe your relationship? Well, father, I am a big old queer mess. Nico guffawed, maybe for the first time in his life. Perfect. Many things to address. (laughs) But can we first say Piper is a lesbian who was genuinely attracted to that dead blonde man? I I think, yeah, what we are getting here is that lesbian is not off the table. Some people read this and say, she is a bisexual, end of sentence. I read this and I say, lesbian is not off the table. Hey, 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 hey. There are many ways that we could interpret this conversation. This could be, oh, it's only been a year. She, you know, she has many years left to reprocess 
how that all went down and specifically Hera implanting fake memories into her. We don't know how she's going to feel retroactively about this relationship many years from now. Let's take a pause on that. Second of all, people have different opinions about this. If Piper wants to say, you know, I had a meaningful relationship with that one dead blonde person and now look at me, I'm a lesbian. Power to her. Let, let her cook. Let her say what she wants to say. Literally hold up, let her cook. <laughs> I think that Nico coming in and a little bit voice of godding us for a bit here is a bit underrated and very important. And I think this is the right kind of like, no, I'm putting my foot down and having a sermon. It's good for Nico to do this. And it's good for somebody to do this in a children's book, because I really fear that the discourse that the kids are getting now is very... Glenn Weldon had a really good turn of phrase for this that I'm not going to quote correctly and as succinctly, but like queerness as labels and as a group to put yourself in, I think is becoming really easy and popular and common for people to write more than queerness as a set of experiences and self-reckoning that is not as much about how do I describe myself as like, what do I want to do? Like what is yes. it, what is there in myself that I do not feel I am able to fully express right now? And like, what is the way for me to express? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's something so powerful about telling specifically children, like, this is not the important part of your journey. Yeah, it's not finding a label. And if you decide you want one, then that's fine. And if you decide to change it, that's fine. It's and literally fine. More people need to get ahead of this and be like, many people have like a three or four boop, 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 hop, skip. What, yes. what is the term I'm looking for? Leapfrogging journey. The he, him, he, they, they, he, things. they, them pipeline. Literally. <laughs> the like changing the pronouns, the bisexual to lesbian to bisexual pipeline, very frequent. The children should go on a lot of journeys and not, not to, not for me to bag on Alice Osman again, but the, you know, the thing of being like, I am bisexual. Am I bisexual as like a Google? Is that, is that what, what the children should be doing? Is that important? Like, maybe do it once, but like, that, that's not, that, that's not the way for you to understand, I think, yeah. who you are. This was something I really felt like I, I was frightened by in particular when Demi Lovato had a pronoun change and said, yeah. I'm going by they, them. And now I am going by they, them, she, her. And people were like, really mad about it. And I was like, okay, the people who are mad about it don't know queer people because yeah who i'm sorry you think that once you say your pronouns are one thing you can't change them ever again or you can't have like a fluctuating sense of understanding of who you are like i completely agree carter and i'm really grateful that this statement is in a book for young people mm. because of yeah. the way that we like greatly greatly attach to identity labels on the internet in particular i think doesn't leave a lot of room for kids to be questioning yeah Especially in a form like a novel. Like on Twitter, I understand that you cannot convey like the richness of a bulk of experiences and have a discussion about all of that together at the same time. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have any of those discussions and that those things are not important. As that, and that like a way that you can summarize your identity very quickly to someone is not going to be very meaningful for your life. But in a novel, we should be taking the time to be like, well... Piper's had this gigantic suite of experiences across hundreds and hundreds of pages of text, and we should not feel any desire to like boop, 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 tidy all of that up because that's like to, to what end, you know, like we are, we are using the medium to say like, this is actually what she is. And it is <laughs> several books. It is not 
like two words right yeah and i think that's very profound and then th- how does this conversation end this conversation ends by P- piper being like oh my god sorry we have to go on our hike now <laughs> there we are there it is <laughs> there's the sapphicism just shining through the text right there thank you for that mark thank you they are going hiking as someone who did not too long ago go on a hiking date yeah the sapphic is strong as someone currently wearing three layer zip off north face hiking pants for no reason in the comfort of my own home (laughs) totally (laughs) then after they hang up nico lay back on the bed relief coursing through him he'd been afraid of what piper's reaction would be to him calling out of the blue but he now knew that he'd had no reason to be so anxious of course she was going to understand a complicated reaction to grief but that was what Nico had to work on, always anticipating the worst. Maybe he should bring that up with Mr. D. You know, when you have a realization, you're like, wait, maybe I should bring this up in therapy. Absolutely. <laughs> Doing the work. Important, yeah. Um, Jot that down. Any more thoughts on this before we finish off with our very last chapter here? I think we should finish off. Um, we're at chapter 51, which is the last one. It's a very short chapter. Basically, the entire chapter is Nico goes over to the Apollo cabin gets into bed with Will and the Cocoa Puffs come and join in and the end. Am I leaving anything out? <laughs> There's another like final ultimate. Well, that's kind of, the, I think that's kind of the thing is that they're like, are we done now? And Will's like, yeah, wait, I just want to apologize one more time. Like just so we're like really officially on the same page because good, because communication, because health. And Will is like, I just want to make sure you know that I'm not trying to change you or anything. I don't want a version of you that I've made up in my head. And I don't want to treat you like a literal ball of darkness or anything either. And I think sometimes I have. But I also fed into that, said Nico. My problem is that I never let anyone believe that I was anything but a ball of darkness. Even though deep down I wanted to have friends and be cared for. But I couldn't let go of all the hurt and pain I was in. Maybe having the Cocoa Puffs is going to help. I don't know. The idea that your personal demons now live outside your body is kind of cool. Oh, it's very cool, said Nico. And he propped himself up on one hand so he could face Will. I'm already planning on not telling anyone else about them so I can use them to scare the living daylights out of people on a regular basis. Wow, Nico, Will said. Why are you like this? Childhood trauma, Nico said, (laughs) nodding. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Best way to end. That's how you do it. He needs to apologize one more time. We need to have like a oh, but I, you know, like an acknowledgement sorry of where these things come from. And then Nico being like, you know, it's also my fault for not being open. And then joking about the trauma. Yeah. I mean, like literally, <laughs> that is what you do. Yeah. When you have trauma, you have to you joke do. about it sometimes because that's how you help deal with it. As long as you're also doing the actual dealing as well, which is what Nico is doing. All in all, yay. Should we read the very last moments? (laughs) (laughs) There was a creak at the door, but Nico did not look. He heard the patter of tiny footsteps on the wooden floor, then felt each of the Cocoa Puffs hop up onto the bed. They found a place to cuddle up with Nico, Will, or one another. It was strange. A year ago, this was not something that Nico could ever have imagined. He had no idea what the future held, or what crisis would rear its head next and threaten the safety and well-being of the world. They were demigods, all that came with the territory. But this was the first time in Nico's entire life that a certain sensation filled his whole body, stitched itself to his bones, buried itself in his heart. Nico smiled, 
The future held hope, and he clung to it. I think we need to do one final sermonic reading. (laughs) (laughs) And the salt in my wounds isn't burning any more than it used to. It's not that I don't feel the pain. It's just I'm not afraid of hurting anymore. And the blood of these veins veins. isn't pumping any less less than it ever has. Ever has. (laughs) And that's the hope I have. The only thing I know is keeping me alive. For those of you who don't know, we do have a Patreon. Um, and we do have specifically a Patreon episode about the Paramore self-titled 2013 album uh... as our most recent post. So there's that to check out. And this, the end of this book is a direct reference to this song called The Last Hope by Paramore, confirmed by none other than yes. our special guest next week. <gasps> we're just Mark. dropping it. Okay. <laughs> Mark is our special guest next week, guys. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to confirm all the paramore references throughout this book <laughs> for real oh well we're gonna have a lot of time next week to debrief about this book as a whole but i want to hear any thoughts that you have fran um <laughs> this book helped me decide to go back to therapy yay for us yes <laughs> yes yes so real yes happy that nico is learning to conquer his traumas and deal with all the stuff and that his boyfriend is be- isn't being a dick about it anymore and that Piper is happy and queer and um, Jason was not his friend and that is all my thoughts <laughs> I, really, I really I think I strongly respect ending on the hater note <laughs> literally the entire season of this podcast can be summarized with what you just said friend <laughs> okay well on that note you know what I think it's time to close off. I think we'll reflect more next week. I think this was a beautiful set of chapters. And Fran, will you please promote whatever you wish to promote here and now? Yeah. Okay. So the best time camp is returning in September. I am also starting a a spy fiction podcast called The Operatives. We'll be covering all spy media, including queer films when the strikes have ended and spy books including the Gallagher Girl series which is the best teen spy series ever that most people do not know (laughs) um and various other things like Alex Ryder and all that sort of stuff and I have books which is Tarzan but sapphic there are two books three short stories the third short story which is the conclusion will not be out until the end of this year but uh, they are called home to the world and way of the world for the novels and they are all out amazing thank you fran we'll link um (laughs) links to fran's books and stories and all of that and um upcoming podcasts in our show notes this book has been such a good time everybody um, and I'm not joking. Marco Shiro is going to be on the podcast next week. So tune in, get excited, tell your friends. <laughs> it's been such a great ride. And thank you, friend, once again. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, all. Bye. Uh...